Hello, it's the end of the world, and you've opted to listen to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring the open minded musings of two mid 40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance and further uh, lack of use on the planet Earth. I am your co host. Bill Scurry, the well, found- well said, Bill. Thank well you. said, the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises and all-purpose something or other concern. And I'm joined by my good friend, uh, you. Yes, me. I am Noah Tarno, uh, founder and senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And it is spectacular, man. If people only, yes, thank you. You know, like everybody has been uh, up each other's asses. They've been indoors. This is one of those things now where it's like I know now if either I send an email or someone sends it to me, they know I'm right in front of my email client. Like there's, no, I didn't not read it. I didn't. I I can't not respond right. honestly. Like right. you got me on a hook. They know that that's it's yeah. for you know. And so, like, yeah. we're we, staring at rectangles more than ever these days. The whole world is geometric. It is, yeah, it's like, it's like Tetris yeah. right now. Yeah. So, yeah, me and Noah have been working uh, pretty closely the last week or so because we've been getting the big quiz thing uh, into it becoming a, a virtual uh, presentation apparatus. Yeah. We've been making it into an online thing, which has been a really exciting proposition. Um, I've been doing podcasts with other people. Um, yeah, like I, I feel like we digitally have been become become a real village as of late. There's a there's a there is a silver there. There's actually several silver linings to all of this, which is that it's forcing people to be creative in some ways that are kind of nice. Like I watched like a online piano party last night and dance parties and people doing online karaoke nights and you know there is a sense of community. Um, that is developing from this. And, and as Bill refers to, this is forcing me to get innovative or at least creative with my business. And Bill's a big part of that. And uh, yeah, so big quiz thing. You know, we normally do live trivia events for corporate events and private parties. And now we're figuring out a way to convert those events into virtual events that people can play as teams from wherever they are live. And uh, yesterday we did a, a test run for friends and family and it was a lot of fun. We had a real good time. And we got our first corporate event uh, as of this recording tonight. So, uh, yeah, a little plug, bigquizthing.com. Thank you. I'm going to assume at least 40% of our listenership kind of in the same boat as we are, where there's any number of um, live action things that have become deferred to being online. So much like me, I think people have figured out the, the, the word Zoom now has a whole different meaning than it did <laughs> as much yes. as four or five days ago, where it has become a it, lifeline. It is no longer... A, a, a cheesy show of kids doing crafts from Boston in the late 70s. <laughs> Go or on a, and zoom, 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 ah, zoom. And, and Aretha, Franklin, right, uh, Aretha Franklin 80s hit, Who's Zooming Who? Because I'm Zooming everybody yeah, who's right zooming about who? now. What is, <laughs> wait, what does Zooming mean in that song? What is she talking about? Oh, I don't know. I, that's Take a, another look and tell me, babe. That's all I remember. I'm gonna look, Wait, keep talking. I'm going to look up the lyrics. All right. So uh, uh, we, we, it's time to get to it. So... Considering that we are all in uh, quarantine, we're all snug like bugs in rugs uh, with gigantic uh, pillow forts filled with toilet paper and canned beans that we're eating, looking at the front door, which has been nailed shut, holding a shotgun or perhaps a shotgun that's tied up to a bunch of fish hooks and fishing twine, creating an elaborate Rube Goldberg system, an anti um, uh, 
an anti-intruder system, I should say. We are discussing, in particular, we're going to bra- uh, lightly brush upon the huge, horrible thing that we're all experiencing. We're going to talk about something we can all get angry about, I think, but in a, in a, const- <laughs> in a constructive way. Um, we constructive. Are, yes. We are talking about this. Is educational. It this is educational. Podcast. Noah was we were Noah had put it out there. We were trying to say what exactly do we call it? And I think Noah had called it COVID nineteen stupidity. Am, am I correct? Coronavirus that... stupidity. Yeah, coronavirus Cor- stupidity. Because you know, COVID nineteen is the next stage. Coronaviruses. Okay. Is... Right. Corona starts. Coronavirus stupidity. Uh, the coronavirus reaction. Um, you know, we're, we we already everybody knows we're all dealing with the same. Uh, this this is not like some YouTuber or, or or some you know old town road. We need to explain what this is. Everybody knows going into it. So we're talking about a, a specific uh, element of this, which is the idea that people are reacting to it in ways that we would all think is are horrifying. Uh, and stupid and asinine and ridiculous and ultimately deleterious. And not taking it seriously. I mean, there are horrifying things like hoarding hand sanitizer or, you know, being a member of the U.S. Senate and selling off your stocks when you get a warning that a pandemic is on the way before you warn any of your constituents. You know, since when is screwing the public a bad a bad trait for a public servant? Uh, not that kind of stupidity, <laughs> but the basically yeah, not so, taking it so this seriously— is- the the warnings to socially distance and you know adopt better sanitary measures things like that as a bracket i'm going to say yes i'm in a foreign country and a lot of the issues definitely apply so let's just say the proviso that whatever we talk about we're describing american things um but again it, it does it does it does apply to the belgians it does apply to the dutch it does apply to everybody else but for the sake i think everyone has a, a standard set of um, stories that they've read and they take place inside the lower 48 so let's let's keep it that way so this this is the the asinine way a sizable quantity of people in america have reacted to the virus crisis which has swept the world especially i'd say in particular the last week and a half or so when when it jumped up from something nominally important to a thing that you really have to, you know, now you have to change your plans. You got to really live differently. Um, and I'm I'm going to seize upon the personage of one Brady Sluder, who a lot of you guys what, know. What a name! What a name! I mean, Brady Sluder. It's almost oh like like God. a UCB character. It, it is almost something that was designed <laughs> to be the maximum risability for this kind of thing. Yes, Brady Sluder, who I don't even know where this backwards ball cap shirtless wear shirtless bro where he's from. He's from somewhere. But he's become the millennial Ohio or something. Oh, he's become the millennial poster They're all boy. From Ohio. Uh, for this movement. So this this guy is the face, the sort of um, blotto, freckled, young, punchable, punchable, smackable face that was associated with all this video collateral coming out of my uh, spring break, um, whatever, in the last week or so. These people who refused to get off the beach, who were saying that whether it was this entitlement or if it was a sense of being bulletproof or just the fact that they didn't want their pocket picked for something they'd been yeah. looking forward to for a while— they refused. Oh to... wow! I was right. He's from Milford, Ohio. Oh, okay. I was right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe when he comes to New York, he stays in the Milford Plaza. Noah. Come along, I'll take you to the lullaby of bro. Anyone who grew up in the New York area in the '80s, it was like an earworm commercial. It's, it's the well, frankly, it, it's the center of it all. 
It's the center of all. But that commercial was on every 30 seconds yes. in the 80s. Yeah. And in the center of it all is the Milford Plaza. Is that still there? Because it was at no. least until. No, I don't think the Milford Plaza. Ten years. No, it was It was definitely there past the year 2000. You walk, It was on 8th Avenue, right? Well, yeah. but 8th but, Avenue right in the Broadway, in the theater district. But that's 20 years That's twenty years ago. So, no, it's, it's become no, a. Oh, no. It's, it's become a really? food hall Really? It's been gone that long? At least, yes. Keep talking. Least. I'm Googling. And by the way, Who's Zooming Who is about a woman who starts dating a player and he thinks he's like, you know, working her and all that. But she's like, nah, I'm really working you. Ah. So Who's Zooming Who is like, who's the player here? We Take f- another look and tell me, babe. We figured that so out. There you go. Thank yeah. you. Thank got you, to, Aretha. Got to the bottom of that mystery. Problem solved. All right. So anyway, Brady Sluter, let's, if, if I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. We've been waiting for Miami Is he the same guy who said, is he the same guy who's saying, bro, I've been drinking Coronas all day. I'm all about Corona. Uh, no, that no, that's, that a, that's a different guy. That's a different guy. Okay. So so we're going to use Brady Sluter, and you all know who, again, you know who I'm talking about now because you've, you've nothing better to do other than coach your children into how to field strip a squirrel for the when you eventually get let out of doors and there's nothing left of a agriculture or supply chains like you've been watching these videos and thinking oh who is this latest villain we get to? is it is it this is it burr from north carolina or is it brady sluter who am i going to get the smack in the face this week so like i said people are responding to this very irresponsibly i know that our our listenership for the most part is doing what you should do which is not just taking care of yourself washing hands but you're actually staying indoors and you're you're going to flatten the curve with the rest of us this is talking about the people who refuse to flatten a single thing whether it's a curve or a spike or a bump or a carbuncle or anything and how they are driving this rocket straight into hell pointing it at the center of the earth and dooming us all so um I think that's a decent introduction. Noah, I, I kind of want to let you go on the on the topic. I'm really interested in what you have to say about this. Well, first of all, the Milford Plaza Hotel is now the <laughs> Row NYC Hotel. Okay. And uh, I can't really do research while still listening to you talking, but uh, it appears it, cha- it was renovated and name changed in 2014. So I win. Yes. Um, but yes, it's right there on 8th Avenue, blocks away from 42nd Street. So, yeah, I, you know, look, those who might be new to this podcast, we always look at something that young people are into. So the idea is, you know, young people are into being stupid about coronavirus and being like Brady Sluter and partying. And if I get corona, I get corona. If I die, I die. For, for young people, it's not dangerous. It's just the flu. And in fact, um, I went to, uh, I guess like two weeks ago now, I actually went to a school out here in the Bay Area for a career day. They brought me in and I talked to a bunch of eighth graders about starting my own business and all that and um, talking to some kids afterwards. And they were good kids, you know, in eighth grade. It's not a fancy private school, but, you know, they were smart, thoughtful kids. And one of them said to me, he's like, yeah, but, you know, if we get it, we'll be okay. It'll just be like the flu. And I said, yeah, I think the bigger risk is um, you can, even without getting sick at all, you can be a carrier. So what happens if you get it, you're fine, and then, like, you visit your grandma, and it kills her. And the kid just, like, I said that, and his face dropped. Wow. Like, he had never thought of that. And he's like, oh, my God, you're right. And, of course, you know, two days later, they shut the school down. That was all me. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, good on this kid that once you say, look, you want to kill grandma, and he's like, absolutely not. You know, he's got a soul, this kid. Um, 
one of the questions we're going to ask today is whether this is true, because it seems there's an argument in the media. A lot. Of, oh, these millennial millennial. What does millennial even mean anymore? Like a lot of millennials are like 40 now. I hate those terms anyway, because what the fuck? You know, I, I, I will tell you, through the 90s, when every time a Newsweek cover was about Generation X, I was continually told that I was too young to be Gen X, and now somehow I'm smack in the middle of Gen X. So I've always believed that the Gen X, boomers, whatever, these terms are very, you know, catch as catch can. They don't have hard and fast definitions. So take that as you will. So young people. So the question is, are young people really stupider about this than other people? And um, 538.com argues they're not, that all available evidence is that idiocy knows no particular age group. There's some surveys that say young people are stupider about it, and there are other surveys just as reliable that say by the same margins, old people. You know, there are other articles that are like, oh, boomers. And and you and I were quoting this uh, – the 65-year-old woman who said, I'm a handshaker. I think I'll always be a handshaker and a hugger. It seems it's been blown out of proportion, this coronavirus thing. So, you know, who knows whether this is real. Um, look, I, I hate that this exists. If, if we're going to argue that young people or even old people are ignoring this, obviously I hate it because I believe the experts... I think these drastic steps are necessary um, to save, and not just old people's lives. I mean, as we learn more, we learn that this is not just the flu for a lot of young people, right? Or equivalent to the flu. Let's be clear. It is not the flu, but the idea is that the effects are equivalent to the flu. There are instances of people in their 30s having severe problems and perhaps even dying. I don't know that for sure. Uh, But I understand why they do this, and I don't think this is some newfangled, oh, kids these days thing. You know, young people have always thought they were invincible. You know, there were probably young cavemen, although for cavemen, you were dead by the time you were 12. So three-year-old cavemen who were the equivalent of teenagers were like, fuck it, I'm going to go out and chase the brontosaurus because I'm young, nothing can happen to me. And yes, I know cavemen didn't coexist with uh, brontosauruses. Um, There's also the issue that, and this is something we complain about on the show all the time, Americans are encouraged to be selfish. They're told, we have been spent decades saying, you're an American. Being an American means you do whatever the fuck you want when you want to do it. And it is not the fault of a 25-year-old kid if that's the only lesson they've ever heard. Maybe it's the fault of their parents for not tempering that with real lessons, but can you blame a 25-year-old for that? Um, The selfishness. You know, Brady Sluter, at the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. We've been waiting for Miami spring break for a while. So, you know, the six months of being excited about partying (laughs) on the beach is too great a sacrifice to give up for anything. It's worth the extinction of our way of life, our Western plastic way of life. And by the way, I believe the experts on this. I do know some people who say, I mean— I don't agree, but I respect this opinion. And it's a cold, hard opinion that, like, look, like, yes, millions might die, but is it worth it tanking the economy? Because what suffering will be wrought by the tanking of the economy? Um, I think that's an argument worth having. It's a hard argument, but I think it's an argument worth having. So, you know, this is awful, but what do you expect? I mean— it, it's it's not understandable in that I give them a pass, but it's understandable in that 
I'd be surprised if this weren't the case. Let me ask you something. Um, are you familiar yeah. with the term NPC? Uh, NPC. Yeah, non. I was trying to think non, of a, I was trying to think of a joke, but I couldn't. Non-player character. I'm not familiar with it. Non. Oh, so like in a video game. Yeah, yeah, and that. Like some little, some little guy walking around in the background. You're not supposed to kill him. You can't interact with him. I see. And and not just that, but it, like when you when you go up to them, they almost have just a uh, you know a handful of pre pre described pre written interactions, you know, and they just repeat right. a, a sort of loop of dialogue or something like that. Uh, I remember playing Leisure Suit Larry in the Lands of the Lounge Lizards. Remember that game? Yeah, sure. And you were supposed to like hit on the women. And when you'd go to the casino, the blackjack dealer was a woman. And I remember being frustrated I couldn't hit on her. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's – I've had the few, the few times I played blackjack in my life, I always seek out female blackjack dealers. I think I got a fetish for blackjack dealers. It could be. Maybe it started with Leisure Suit Larry. I'm glad, anyway, I'm glad we, yes. we worked through that as a, as a, as a sticking point. But I think that uh, a well, lot – Well, there's nothing more important in the coronavirus <laughs> crisis than Leisure Suit Larry in the land of – oh, dude, if we could only do an episode about that, that would be great. But I think that – NPC. I think that a lot of younger people and especially trolls online, you know, some of this is the gulf between uh, empathy and feeling the fact that there is there's ignorance, which is one thing. There's the bulletproof aspect of being young where you quite literally are going to be able to absorb a lot worse than somebody older than you. Um, Right. The skepticism when you're younger of saying, oh, that's something that old people do and or something old people worry about. Therefore, it's un- it's non-viable to me. It's also a uh, harangue. You know, it, it, if old people are worrying about it, that invalidates it as a concern because it's, it's ancient, it's aged, and it's invalid. Um, but I also worry about the idea that, that uh, people don't care about the toll. You're talking about the kid in school who said, oh, I could possibly cause um, damage, collateral damage off to the side, you know, with my actions now. I think there are some people who don't give a fuck. There's some people who say, if other people die because I cough on them inside of a Harris Teeter or a Kroger or a Wawa, they don't give a fuck if other people die in, in droves. Now, this is my own uh, fear. Of, of the loss of American empathy. And that's why I bring up the idea of the NPC. These are not, pe- people don't re- regard other human beings as having feelings and dreams right. and, the, and the will to live and a full life. It's the idea that only I count. Now, yes, the American entitlement to whatever it is you want, as you brought up before, is most of that. The idea that you are almost like anticipating or want other people to die to not just your life was made better, I should say, your life is made better if other people die in large droves because you yeah. don't have to hear That's, them hey, anymore. I love Trump because he's we're owning the libs. It's yeah. that attitude. Right. And and it's yeah. like it's it's not just owning, it's like, oh people, you you need to die. You know, this this whole idea that I've yeah. I've you know, I've read in the last I guess five years now the idea that quote unquote liberalism is a disease, for instance. As if to say that you are beneath contempt and you do not – you should be killed. You should be killed and it will make life better yeah. for the rest of us if you die. Um, I saw I saw a side note. Sorry, side note. Just to vent a little. Uh, I was reading the words of some you know reasonable conservative who was maybe even turning away from conservatism because he's like, I want to ask – I believe in traditional values, but I want to ask an honest question. 
transgender people. What should we do about him? He's like, I was hoping we'd have a dialogue. Like, yeah, sure, fine. We need to be careful about bathrooms and all this. But like, what should we do? And he just, he was stunned. Everyone said, just kill them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, where the fuck have you been in the conservative, you know, blogosphere for the last 10 years? Yeah. But that he was surprised that the conservative response was just murder them. Yeah. He's like, no, no, we have to do something about them. You know, if they're crazy, we need to get them mental care. No, just kill them. And he was surprised by that. That's their attitude is yeah. I don't like you. You you deserve no mercy, no uh, no consideration whatsoever. We we have we have a we have a cult of selfishness in this country. Continue, please. Well, I the cult of selfishness. I think is is part of the math. The idea of the cult is it's not just the selfishness. It's the idea that um, it's homicide. It is a death cult of hoping that you run up the score sheet that other people die, and it makes life better for you. And whoever's left over in the end, a doesn't isn't isn't burdened by the weak people who are holding you down, and by extension, the survivors get to prosper in a brand new future. Right. Not only holding you down. Well, this also the irony of calling liberals snowflakes. The survive the the other people who are making you feel uncomfortable, who mm-hmm. are intruding on your world. Yeah. You know, that gets us back to transgender people. Why do they hate transgender people so much? Because they make them uncomfortable. They can't they can't handle the slightest pinprick on their bubble of comfort. It's it's ridiculous. Let me ask you something. Since I we did uh, bracket this as saying that we were going to talk about an American trend, like the numbers out of China and South Korea and Italy, especially this week, are frightening beyond belief. Do, well, do you- South Korea, the numbers are hopeful. But South Korea handled this way better than anyone else. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're talking about casualties. You're talking about casualties. And it's yeah. like, what does an American look at an Italian life in four, like four digits worth of deaths and regard that as be, as a real thing, as anything other than statistics? That no. The, no. No, man, no. That is— No. But that, that's How many times do we get headlines? 8,000 people die in hurricane in Ooga Booga land, and we barely registers for us. But 9-11 is the worst thing ever in the history of all time. Obviously, 9-11 was awful. But 3,000 people die in disasters on a monthly basis in Africa. And do most of us give a shit? No. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. You know, I've been waiting. We've been waiting for Miami spring break for a while. About two months we've had this trip planned. Two, three months. So we're just out here having a good time. Whatever happens, happens. I mean, we've hinted, that, we've hinted at some of that with the... Uh, the, the feeling of immortality. But why are young people ignoring this? Or for that matter, if it's really not young people, if it's old people or not old people, just anyone, why why are people being stupid about the coronavirus? Let's go a little deeper on that topic that we've pretty much already covered. No, I think that's, Today yeah. Today is a very free-form episode. That's good. You, you freight it with a lot of meaning, and I think it's worth discussing. I like I, freighting things with meaning. I think that... This, for me, seemed to be fairly simple in that what this allows people to do is evade actual <laughs> hard questions about yep. danger and mortality. And you Head you, in the sand. Yeah, you get to treat the rest of the stuff as if it were a rhetorical argument, a contest uh, between people in in um, two video boxes on your screen, whether it's CNN or or uh, Fox or something like that, in, in anything you can do to not treat this, to engage upon life and death, 
as an existential crisis. You get to have a rhetorical crisis. You get to have winners and losers. You get to have something that that provi- that makes you think that this doesn't have to be as bad as it is. And that is what describes the limits around the dotted line around the climatological crisis that we're in. And as soon as we get done with this, we're going to go right back into the the heat death of the universe. You know, this this has been so far something that had nothing to do with the natural death of planet Earth. But we're going to get right to that. And the things that are unavoidable, like you you can't go outside and continue to bicycle and go to weddings uh, and and uh, go to beaches and do whatever else people do in the town square if heat makes it such that you cannot be out of doors anymore or pollution has ruined the air. Um, this is just the beginning of issues you can't evade and dodge and come up with a rhetorical duck to get away from. Um, that's why I think it's so easy to engage in is because we've managed to neuter and bleach and... Um, pull away the actual meaning and that and that nobody has to live inside consequences. I mean, there are consequences everywhere, but for some reason the cause and effect is you don't have to think that this I caused someone else to die if no one else's life has any meaning. And I have toilet paper, therefore I win right. the apocalypse. And it's like you get to be satisfied. Jesus. Right? No, I'm saying it's toilet a- paper. Why toilet paper of all things? How about fucking food? How about soap? toilet paper but but that's the the most indispensable thing but in that you can somehow still sit at home like you won like you got more you rolled the dungeons and dragons (laughs) dice you got more hit points or you know your your mortal combat bar your little life meter is longer than the other guy because you somehow won the toilet paper battle you got away from whatever box store you came from with a gigantic load of cottonell and you brought it home and that Right. That separates you from actually interrogating why why are we doing any of this? What does this really mean? How do I how do I wake up tomorrow morning and somehow deal with this? Yeah, you have toilet paper. Congratulations, but are you engaging in the world you're leaving yeah. your kids, or are you somehow preparing other people's kids for the world that they're going to have to be in? I mean that that's where I am. You know, with this is is thinking like you know it's I I'm 44 years old and. Plenty capable of living on Earth. I got I got enough toilet paper, but the real reality is, what are my friends' children? What are they going to inherit? What's left for them to pick up after this? I mean, I know that they can't possibly absorb everything that's right. going on, but they're going to have a generational trauma. I mean, I'm, I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's like two topics yep. we're going to revisit this, but I, I think that this is popular in particular because it gives you the ability to turn this into um, a rhetorical contest this is a video game this is hit points this is something else other than the actual life and death don't go outside your door because you could cough on someone and ruin whole family's fortunes well it's it's easier than facing hard consequences it's it's you know the the popular metaphor of sticking your head in the sand by the way the toilet paper battle is my favorite uh dr seuss book so um anyway sorry we got we got to we got to inject some levity into this. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean, you're right about everything. Um I want to I want to get back a little bit on the idea of uh you know, uh people doing this because uh we the, we've been we've been trained to be selfish. Um there was a quote from somewhere I don't know where uh, a bit 
they conflated confidence with immunity. You know, this idea that like, oh, I'm going out there, I'm living my life. Oh, it was the Times article you sent me, I think. I'm living my life, therefore I, I won't get it. And I think that's part of the American thing is like we could do anything because we're confident, because we're bold. Because yeah, I'm honest. You know, I'm living, I'm living my principles. Like, right. Right. At least it's someone like Trump who gets any shred of credibility by saying, I have a hunch it won't be so bad. You know, I was actually talking about this the other day because uh, one of the comfort foods I've sought out in this time is listening to podcasts about, I've mentioned this before, about old pro wrestling. And this guy was talking about why he loved Hulk Hogan when he was a kid in the 80s, in the, the glory days of pro wrestling then. And they said Hogan was such a typically American hero in that, you know, oh, King Kong Bundy injured his ribs, broke his ribs, but now he wants to fight Bundy. And all the doctors said, you're crazy, you can't do it. But he's got guts and he goes out there and he wins. And this whole idea that like all you need is to be, to be bold and have guts and you can overcome science. That shit don't work in the real world. It's fantasy. It's great in pro wrestling. It's great in superhero comic books. It's great in action movies. It is not great when you're dealing with a real world pandemic. And it is not great when you're dealing with the president of the, the real president of the United States, not some fucking guy played by a handsome actor in a 90s movie. Right? Handsome. That doesn't apply to our president. Um, also, the stupid thing we've done, we've, that's nah, a side note. Just uh, we, we equate money with health, you know, that like you can buy your way out of any problem, which, of course, leads us to people thinking, oh, it's the best economy ever because the stock market is high. No, it was a shitty economy. And now, of course, we don't even have that. Um, but I want to I want to do a twist on this. I might be giving young people too much credit, but there's a theory of why young people aren't taking it seriously. And this this adds a little more intellectual heft to it than it probably deserves. We are being told now, young people are being told now, that they need to sacrifice to save old people. Like that kid I told at that school, right? Like, it might be an inconvenience for you, but you need to do this to save grandma and grandpa. So we have lived our entire lives in the shadows of baby boomers. And obviously, we have, we talked about this many times in the show, we have suffered because of boomers, their negligence, their desire to not pay taxes. They're, you know, not as destructive, but their uh, dominance of popular culture, how the whole world conforms to their expectations, their desires, their wants. And of course, the heat death of the universe is because they wanted to drive a bigger car, because they wanted to own five houses. College is unaffordable because they wanted everything to be affordable for them. They want to put off all hard decisions until later. And now here's the ultimate insult. Already on our knees, we got to be knocked to the fucking ground so that they, now that they're in their 70s and 80s, can enjoy two more years living in their third house. Yep. So maybe, just maybe, some young people are like, you know what, boomers? Fuck you. I've given you enough already. You can go ahead and fucking die at 75 so that I can get a job before the 2030s. Oh, fascinating, man. Yeah, you're cutting to the quick. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving them too much credit. But it's just a theory. It's just a conceptual thing. Like, no, fuck it. If the only risk, and again, that's not the only risk. Young people can get sick. If the only risk here is that a 75-year-old can die two years early, I'm not going to say 75, an 80-year-old can die two years early, and I got to give up my whole you know, chance of ever making money or owning a home or living a normal life so that you can live two more years, go fuck yourself. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm not even saying it's true. I'm just saying it's a concept that's worth 
Mm. contemplating. Like it's really messing up with my spring break. What is there to do here other than go to the bars or the beach and they're closing all of it. It's really messing up. I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. I think it's doing way too much. No, let me ask you something. Would you have liked this completely uh, asymmetric response to an actual crisis? If you were a younger person, and I'm assuming we were talking about spring break age, thereabouts, how would yes. you have felt about it? Yes. Would I be a Brady Sluter if I were 2021 now? How about that? Uh, no, no way. Well, first of all, I wasn't a partier. You know, I never went to Florida for spring break. I went to friends and I drove down to New Orleans for spring break, which is pretty fucking awesome. I mean, but we weren't like get drunk, drinking in the streets. We were just being nerds. I uh, was buying old records and, you know, eating beignets and stuff. Um, no, I was, I, as I've alluded to on the show many, many times, I was a goody goody. You know, I was a rule follower. I would have taken it as seriously as human possible, humanly possible. Uh, and I would have been freaking out because I was also guided too much by fear at that age. So, no, I would I would be – in fact, I would be probably raging against the sluters of the world more than I am now because I was – there was sour grapes in my mind. There would be a part of me that was wishing, you know, I was on a beach in Miami, you know, having a good time and getting laid and, and – while I was fastidiously following the rules, I would have been like yelling about how, why do they get to have fun and I don't? So, um, nah, I wouldn't be one of those guys. Yeah. And if I were a baby boomer, if I were 70 now, I'd probably be following the rules too. My parents are and I come from them. So yeah, that makes sense. What about I you? think that, well, I think I might've had some kinship. I have to admit this. I might have some kinship with the falsely bulletproof. Those who, who think of themselves as immune to consequence. Um, there's two, but it's two things. It's because I think that uh, uh, I was uh, powerless for sure when I was a younger person, and and I know that that's Brady Sluter. Say what you will about him as a, as a jackass, he is powerless. We can almost say yes. He may come from some sort of privileged background, just as as a white male living in America, whatever that's worth. And his parents may be well to do. We don't fucking know. But I think still he can't he can't steer the course of the future. And back in the 1990s, I couldn't do so either. But I'm not in touch with powerlessness. I'm just sort of living inside the radiation of it, you know. And, and I know that, well, what am I going to do? How else can I affect the universe around me other than to do something? And often that means that it's going to wind up being inflammatory. Because if you can provoke somebody, if you, th th what power do you have other than the power to destroy? I mean, maybe it's as, as simple as that. If you twin that with the idea that... Um, you know, I I can't really put my face into cataclysm. I can't really uh, wrap my head around it of thinking that somehow what I do here is going to uh, link up with this other consequence down there. If enough people are doing the same thing I'm doing, that I am uh, causing this this annihilation wave to come at everybody. I, I almost think that I would be inclined to feel the same way. Now, yes, chances are I wouldn't have been in a position to go down to Miami. And certainly I wouldn't have been on camera. You know, a, a friend of mine years ago, <laughs> a friend of mine years ago, this is down in Carolina. His son uh, was, was tagged by a local broadsheet journalist who was doing a story about how kids felt like they were completely, uh, you know, boxed out of the system that they had no more earning power the beginning of what we're seeing now for kids this is in 99 or 2000 um they were hanging around a high school trying to talk to kids to say well you know what kind of sludge can we get from these kids and, and it's like my friends 
son, who was about 14 or 15, said something like, I have no prospect, no hopes, no money, nothing. And the guy came to work the next day completely embarrassed because everyone read that story. And he he told his kid, he grabbed him by the lapels and said, never talk to a journalism. And he knew that because he, yep. he himself was a reporter. He says, never talk yep. to a journalist. They're just trying to fulfill a story. And he was like, you're going to say something stupid. It's always going to be it's going to be worse for you than it is for them. And so Brady Sluter could not possibly know, have known on camera, yeah. however many margaritas he had in his guts, but that, that he was going to come across so badly. But I think that yeah. there's part of that Brady Sluterness in a lot of dudes. It's a dude thing, and I, I again, totally. I'm, yeah, I'm totally. not, I'm not Brady Sluter, but I. What's th- the worst that could happen to me? I'm living the life. Right, yeah. right. I am, I am, uh, I, I have my own, I have my own bulletproof shielding that, that's uh, uh, raised around me. And so, what the hell are you going to do? You know, and I, that's the thing that is not that there weren't also uh, girls the same age. There were females speaking the same words he was too. this isn't certainly just a male thing, because whoever did that video reel did due diligence into getting everyone to say something stupid. So I think it might have been a class thing uh, more so than a, than a gender thing or but it's definitely a class thing and an, and an age thing. You know, it's a generational thing. Generation plus class. It's intersectional. What are you going to say? It's a virus, I get it, like, I respect it, but at the same time, like, even if everybody gets it, like, yeah, people are gonna die. Is this coronavirus stupidity a sign of the apocalypse? Oh, no. Uh, the, I... the most freighted question we've ever asked in the history of <laughs> I don't get it, the pop culture get off my lawn. Cat. Hang on a second, let me look at my window. Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the apocalypse, uh, I, and it, it, it is upon us. The actual viral cataclysm is here. This isn't just a matter of talking about does Smosh make us feel like this is the end of all entertainment, or you know what does um, uh, you know ex- such and such trend and make us feel uh, really old and sort of horrified that they're they're gonna you know someday get the um, Mark Twain Prize uh, of American culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This this is bad. Uh, this is upon us now. This is stabbing a burning skeleton in hell and, and between the ribs and twisting the knife, and 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 watching the bones turn to ash. Um, I think that the thing that I like to think we've pioneered on this show that you introduced that pioneered. I've worked. I incorporated into this life was the idea, the the whole concept of the death of expertise, the idea that you no longer listen to people who know what they're talking about, because somehow your hunch, your intuition. I got a hunch. I got a hunch. Even if you don't have a hunch. Our leaders are very stupid. We need brain. It's it's the it's the idea that it's not even a hunch. It's just that I'm not listening to you anymore. Egghead. It's well, do you have a better idea? No. I'm just not listening to you anymore. No, but but you're 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 ugly, and I could beat you up. Therefore, nothing you say has any validity. Yes, I don't I don't like what you say, and it therefore it it doesn't matter. And you know you do that's you have things like uh, Senator uh, uh, Burr, and you do have all these people who are just acting incomplete. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, there's a surreality to how you hear this information. The first thing you think of is, well, I, I guess I better pump and dump these stocks. You know, I better, I better profit on this and not tell Jesus. anybody this is going to happen. This fucking guy. That's, that's a fucking war crime. I mean, it's not as bad as, as you know, dropping Agent Orange or mustard gas on somebody, but it, it's, wow. it's, it's morally it's, abhorrent. It is, literally, it is literally illegal, A, and B, it, yes, it's morally abhorrent. I mean, you, you are a public servant, 
it's but look, it's the crux of the Trump presidency. So, you know, can you really blame Burr? Everyone around him is telling him this is the way things are done now. And I, nothing, mean, I can blame him. And but, nothing will happen to him. He's, it's consequence free. He's going to get to have the money and walk away. And, you know, the same way they, they you know, tore up the, the Mueller report in front of them. It's like it's not going to mean anything because it's just a, it's a blank check committee. You know, rubber stamps, whatever they want to do. But my my right. point is, though, is that this this is yes. We're this, having fun today, aren't? Aren't you glad you listened to this week's episode? This this is it's the actual. Things category. are down. I'm gonna cheer myself up a little by listening to these two smartass talk about something stupid on the internet. Oh, they're having the most depressing podcast in the history of podcasts. <laughs> All right, so tell me, where do you come in on this? Well, yeah, it is a sign of the apocalypse. I mean, look, I I have to get out of bed in the morning, so I still. I still, while while trying to keep a clear-eyed view about things, and obviously I'm trying to practice social distancing and best practices as much as I can, uh, I I still see silver linings, uh, which I talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, my I I was saying I I might, you know, pull an inside straight and actually business-wise end this crisis in a stronger position than when I started. I also see the possible, you know, the warmth of people get it, finding creative ways to get together. Um, and I, I have hope that when we put this behind us, we will be a stronger world for that. No guarantees, obviously, but that's how I get out of bed in the morning. Um, but I just want to say, well, this is certainly a sign of the apocalypse. I just want to emphasize, I think some of the other topics we talked about, I, I wasn't just being a smart ass when I said they're signs of the apocalypse. I do think things like Ryan's world are harrowing. In real ways, ways that aren't as acute as a pandemic, but they all kind of cohere into this. I mean, they're a big part of the death of expertise, which is what gets us here, right? Yeah, so I totally agree. Things yes, you're matter. Right. Those things matter. You know, how do we get here to the death of expertise, to believing a moron like Trump, to not believing scientists, to not taking their warnings seriously, et cetera, et cetera? How do we get here? Because we have a culture of the Ryan's worlds and the smoshes and the— Bell Delphines and all those people, right? Like those things. I, I've I've been an advocate. You know, I studied pop culture in college, and one I studied pop culture. I mean, I did. I took my classes on it. And one of the things I kept having to like twist the arms of my professors is to convince them how important this thing was. And the head of my American Studies department literally said, "He's like, I don't think pop culture is that important." And I'm like, "Dude, I think it's the most important thing because it's 90% of what takes up people's brains." You in you, life were, these you days. were proven right in the long run with that argument. Right. And, and look at it. We have the fucking host of the apprentice as our supposed leader. So, you know, this shit matters. So I just want to say like, yes, obviously this is potentially a sign of the apocalypse, but I don't want to underplay how much that other stuff really has and can do damage and takes us to the point where a coronavirus can spin out of control far beyond what it needs to when you have competent leadership. And and a, I'll, I'll go in on this, and a media that's actually doing, fulfilling its responsibility to the people. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus, and no one else should be that afraid either. No, and finally, uh, is there any part of this asinine response to the worst thing that's ever happened to all of us en masse? Does that make you jealous? Uh, I, no, I'm kind of the opposite of jealous on this. Uh, I kind of feel sorry for some of these young people. And uh, I, I want to I go back to the thing I said about maybe, just maybe, they're saying, fuck you, boomer. I'm doing this because 
I'm living my life. You 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 forced me to sacrifice since day one, and now you want the biggest sacrifice so that you know you can die six weeks later. Fuck you. Um, I want to give a quote that really affected me. This is from Deutsche Welle, a German news magazine, I believe. And this is very important. Uh, the coronavirus lockdown is a massive demonstration of intergenerational sacrifice. While the virus affects people of all ages, it is most dangerous and deadly for the weak, the ill, and the old. We are consciously overreacting to it to save the lives of the most vulnerable. And so we should. But let us be clear. Many young people are giving up their livelihoods so that the old may live. So I feel bad for young people who are doing that. Now, young people who are doing that are not the stupid ones. But the stupid ones, you know, they live a world of nihilism. And I have never been that way. Hence me seeing the silver linings here and holding out hope that we will, and, and I particularly, will emerge stronger for this when when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not jealous. I, I dare but for the grace of God go I in many ways. I'm young enough to avoid you know, economic apocalypse's worst effects. And I am old and I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm old enough to avoid that. And I'm young enough so that I'm not coronavirus's, you know, most vulnerable target. Yeah. So I'm not jealous. I'm the opposite of jealous. Yeah. It's interesting. I know I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not jealous. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I can't quite get to the point where you're at, where you feel sorry, just because it's still so raw. There's still so much fear. Um, you know, as everybody here knows, you know, I left, the continent of the United States to get away. I was actually trying to avoid a different boogeyman. Um, I honestly, and we're not done with that one yet, too. I had a feeling that what's coming up at the end of the year with the, with the election it was going to wind up being scarier than I could imagine. But that was what was imaginable, I suppose, not a pandemic. Um, and I'm not saying that where I am right now as a landmass is at all exempt. It's just by a matter of percentages, it's proceeding exactly apace with the rest of the world. But there are fewer people here, and they do tend to behave a little differently uh, in this country, on the landmass, etc., etc. There is a real lack of empathy, and I don't think anything has chilled me to the bone as much as that. And maybe that is because, going back to the why is it popular question, I think I understand a little bit of that lack of empathy, because I I was... um, in the mode of like, hey, burn the world down. What the hell difference does it make? I, I should be fine. You know, like if you don't have anything else, why should, you know, I don't have it either. So I guess we're just, we become equalized to some degree and that we're all sitting here in a, on, on a planet full of char. But at no point does yeah, jealousy enter into this because I, I don't ever think of it as jealousy. I think it's somebody is looking at you through, you know, cheeks filled with tears. Like I'm going to blow this up as a sign of my desperation. And it's like, well, it's not jealous. It's this incredible horror of that's where you, that's where you are. Either the horror is either an ignorance or desperation and or um, I mean, I guess stupidity is worse than ignorance. I don't know. Or ignorance is worse than stupidity. Stupidity means you don't know. Ignorance means you, you know, won't come in contact with the knowledge to some degree. So it's that's a semantic game. So what the fuck do I know? And that takes us to the Flonian scale, which I, <laughs> yeah, I, this is this winds up being a little weird just because this is such a hyperbolic episode. I mean, oh, I got an answer to this one, my friend. Oh, I got I'm, an answer. 
I don't think I have an answer. Well, let me let me lead off okay. because I I, I you know I'm, I'm going to sit here and tell you this is negative infinity. This is the worst thing that ever happened. This is <laughs> as, as much as much as Ryan wel- welcomes to Ryan World and and uh, everything else and cup stacking and whatever bullshit came our way was all largely theoretical or stuff you could avoid. This is you know this is the wolf at your door. Um, I, I have a feeling you get something more whoa, 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 articulate. Whoa, 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 whoa. Remember, our topic isn't coronavirus. Our topic yes. is coronavirus stupidity. Yes. But I yes. guess they become one in the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it teeth. It's like gears of a, 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 you know, you pull the watch face off and you're looking at the uh, little machinery in the back. And it's like you need all this stuff to function to keep accurate time. And it's all here. But what what were you going to say? I think you have something more eloquent than what I had. Oh, I was I was going to partly agree with you. I think this is... At the absolute bottom, you know, we rank everything we ever talk about, the Felonian scale, with Jimmy Fallon being, you know, the patron saint of stuff that sucks. Uh, so I would put uh, coronavirus stupidity, yes, at the very bottom, with the exceptions of Jimmy Fallon and Ryan's world. <laughs> so okay. I think the bottom three, this is third to last, coronavirus stupidity, then Jimmy Fallon. And then Ryan world. Then Ryan's world. Welcomes yeah. to Ryan I, world. I, welcome, welcome to's Ryan's worlds. <laughs> All right, I, I could, I could live with that. That's that would work. You can live with that. All right, so so we will be back next week. The internet still seems to be working. Uh, thankfully, my computer doesn't require service. Is computer repair an essential service? Oh boy, I don't know. I I hope the liquor store is because I think I need that more than anything else at this point. Someone someone has got to pioneer. Like, hey, you know, I will I will pick up your computer from a box outside your door. Yeah, take it back to my hermetically sealed place, fix it, spray it down, and then deliver it back to you. That's a service the world's gonna fucking need the next few weeks. That's for sure. Next few months. And with that. If you would like to find past episodes of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Let us be the voice of hope and resistance through the middle. Look, we know you're at home. We're at home, too. We're listening to a lot of podcasts. We're not doing shit that you're not doing. So let's just all listen to each other together and hold hands and make a circle but not actually touch hands not actually make a real circle let's keep a respectful distance but we will continue to make podcast episodes if you will continue to listen to them and let's just have a community amongst each other we love you guys so write to us at no and bill show uh, on twitter uh, email at no and bill don't get it at gmail.com give us a review Twitter specific, I'm at William Scurry. I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar, and Noah goes now. Oh, I am all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. Corporate and private trivia events nationwide, as mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And thanks in no small part to the talents of Mr. Bill Scurry here. We are, uh, yeah, we've mastered virtual events. You can play, get your team together online. We tested out yesterday worked beautifully people had the time of their lives we've booked two corporate events for virtual streaming so far completely virtual and we're open to more so definitely open to more so go to bigquisting.com inquire today talk to us uh let's make it happen let's get your teams together in spite of this and of course we uh we now have the big quiz things uh, daily trivial dosage podcast every day five six minute podcast with three trivia questions, courtesy of me. Bill is also a big part of that. You can download those episodes, listen, email us. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. 
uh, more fun stuff to keep you busy. Uh, that is all. All right, everybody. You know what we're going to say. Keep washing your hands. Stay indoors. Yes. Take take care of yes. your loved ones. Give support. Yes. Ask for help if yes. you need it. And yes. if, we ask, if we ask you for help, please, please give it. Give and it. So it, in that respect, we do get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.